0: You're listening to the Fanfic Maverick Podcast, the show where I talk to fanfiction writers about their work and the marvelous world of fanfiction. This show may contain adult themes and language. This episode also features brief mentions of violence and sexual assault. If you are sensitive to these topics, please practice self-care and proceed with caution. Listener discretion is advised. The following paragraphs are from Chapter 2 of a supernatural fanfiction story written by today's guest fanfiction writer, Casually Neurotic. The story is called Maybe Sprout Wings. For a fraction of a moment, he can see the man that Dean must have been. The runaway. The fighter. The one who had been dragged back to the training center again and again and had still kept resisting. The one who had survived nearly five years in a place that was infamous for killing slaves in less than one. He takes a breath and prepares to chase him down for his own safety. After all, healthy runaway slaves don't always make it through recapture, let alone ones that are as emaciated and weak, and likely injured, as Dean is. Not to mention the fact that Dean is barefoot, and it's snowing, and the tracker and his collar will get him caught in no time at all, even though Castiel wouldn't report him missing. But just before he can lunge forward, Dean's flashbang defiance sputters and dies, all on its own. He closes his eyes, his throat convulsing, and sucks in a tight breath. Then another. When he opens them again and stares at the snow at Castiel's feet, the frenetic aggression had vanished from his expression. In its stead, there was only old, well-worn defeat and fear that makes Castiel's soul ache. His hands drop from the back of his neck, and he tips his head to the side to show his throat. His pulse is visible, fast and strained. Even with his limited experience with traditional designation roles, Castiel can recognize this gesture. Dean is showing submission. Sorry, it's the first time he's spoken and his voice is raspy, weak. It's so at odds with the flare of defiance he'd seen a moment ago that he can only blink stupidly for a moment. I won't, I won't run. Sorry, Dean repeats when Castiel doesn't reply. His teeth are chattering and his arms wrapped around his middle. But he doesn't complain about the cold. He just closes his eyes again, crouched low to the ground despite the frigid snow. Please. Please. Don't make me stay outside. Please. Castiel swallows around the hard lump in his throat, fights against the million reassurances he wants to give because his words will mean nothing to Dean. Not now. And probably not anytime soon. He finds his own voice after a moment. No need to apologize. Let's get you warmed up. Dean follows him obediently through the front door, his gate stumbling. He's obviously in pain, holding himself gingerly, arms cinched around his ribs, but he doesn't say anything else. He's shaking violently, even in the warm air of the house, and Castiel wants to kick himself for letting him stand in the damn snow for any length of time. It's probably the first mistake out of many he's going to make. to the north, south, east and west, four corners of the world. Greetings from the wild arid desert of the American Southwest. I'm your host Chaos Blue and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. Our special guest fanfiction author for today is Casually Neurotic. She has been a member of AO3 since 2013 and has posted a total of 7 fanfiction stories for Marvel, Good Omens and Supernatural. Casually Neurotic is a teacher who loves writing and reading. She has two cats, Benny and Murphy, and a dog named Bertie. Casually Neurotic, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Excellent. It's been a great weekend, and even better now that we're sitting here talking about fan fiction, my favorite thing to discuss.
1: (laughs) Mine too. Big surprise.
0: (laughs) Excellent. All right. Well, for anyone out there who's listened to this show for even a little bit of time knows I like to start at the beginning from when you guys discover fanfiction for the very first time, because I think that's such a special time in everybody's life. So can you tell us about the time that you first discovered fanfiction? What was that like? How did it feel?
1: Oh, man. I mean, it was, of course, a million years ago. It was definitely, I want to say, middle school. I had to been in you know, sixth or seventh grade, something along those lines. And I think the first fanfic I ever read was for Inuyasha, which is like a pretty common anime. I think most people have either heard about or seen. And I can't say that it was good. Like, in fact, I think it was very bad writing, but it was the first time I had ever like encountered the concept of someone expanding from what canon would give you, you know? And like saying like, I'm not satisfied with this. I want more of this. And I mean, that was back in the day when, you know, there were, it was on LiveJournal, like AO3 did not exist at that point. Like there were times where you had to highlight the text to be able to read it. And it was just, yeah, it was, it was amazing to me, honestly, because it, I don't know, it was the first time that I had realized that you didn't have to be a published author to put your story out there. And it definitely sparked this like, writer in me who's just like, oh, well, then that means that I can write my own stories. And so it was definitely this like first step into my journey of deciding that I was gonna, you know, write stories and things like that.
0: Oh, I'm so glad that you remember the live journal days just like I do because I remember that before fanfiction.net, before AO3, even before Live Journal, I remember people had their own Angel Fire and GeoCities website that yes. they were posting their fanfiction uh-huh, onto yeah. and then Live <laughs> Journal came along and then you had that. Did you just stumble accidentally onto somebody's live journal or how did that happen?
1: I think I did. I think what was happening is I was probably looking for like fan art of the anime because, you know, of course I was that nerdy kid who was obsessed with the anime at that time. And I then found like a link to a story that they had written with their fan art. And then it just kind of spiraled from there. And found, you know, I found this whole like community and went pretty quickly from live journal to fanfiction.net after that. And it was just, you know, downhill from there.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. There were a ton of stories posted on fanfiction.net. I remember the first time that I discovered that. That was back when I was reading a lot of Harry Potter stuff. Mm -hmm. And oh my God, there were like thousands of stories being posted every week. And it was insane.
1: Yeah, Harry Potter was such a big... I mean, still is, but such a big fandom back in the day. And like, of course, as a kid, I was obsessed with those books. Like, there's no question. I was definitely a Potterhead or whatever they're called. But, you know, I just reading fan fictions of things like that. It was just, it was so fun. It was just not something that I had ever like thought that people would do. So I don't know. I'm glad that people came together and started posting things to one website because my brain could not handle searching through (laughs) live journal links and things like that.
0: Oh, I know. I know. When we try to explain that to the younger crowd now, it's like, yeah, we had to put stuff into Google and just see what popped up.
1: (laughs) Just, Just throw the dice and hope. Like the tagging system on AO3 is such a blessing and like kids these days, you know, they have no idea of the struggle that it used to be, truly.
0: Oh, do you remember those fan fiction finder live journals that people used to put together for the different fandoms? Yes.
1: (laughs) And you know, like if you found a good one, it was like, okay, great, this is going to keep me going for so long. And then if you found one where it's just like, oh, oh, no, no, no. No, this is not. No, this is not it. (laughs) And it was just kind of a roll of the dice.
0: It was because, you know, back in the day, if you stumbled onto somebody's rec list on Uh their life journal, it was like hitting the jackpot. right? Like finding gold.
1: Yeah, especially if your tastes, you know, intersected with theirs.
0: Well, right. And you just kind of had to hope that that was the case because I don't know about the recs that you were looking at, but the ones that I would look at, it was literally just hyperlinks to people's stories and the names of them and you had no idea what the story was about. You had to click on it and no, just like alright Let's
1: see. Is it worth it? You know, and then some of of course, some of the links, by the time you click on them, the story has d- disappeared. And man, like LiveJournal was the first kind of time where I, I would look at Reckless and then Tumblr pretty quickly followed after that, uh, especially the Supernatural fandom. Tumblr, of course, like went wild <laughs> with that. So, you know, people's different blogs would have their Reckless and I probably still follow some of those people, (laughs) even
0: now. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Modern technology with the different social media platforms has definitely helped us define our searches better.
1: Sure. Yeah. Narrow it down a little bit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And thank God for the tag system, right, on AO3. So God. Yeah. It's a lot better now. But yeah, I still remember those old days when you just (laughs) never knew what you were going to get. Would it be fair to say that discovering fan fiction and reading it online is part of what inspired you to become a writer?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. There's no question in my mind, because up until that point, you know, I'd only read books that I had checked out from the library, obviously. And so I thought, you know, you have to be a grown adult. You have to, you know, be this amazing, uh, uh, exceptional person in order to publish a story that anyone's going to care about. And then come to find out, it's like, no, there's literally thousands of people online who are doing this for free and people are enjoying the things that they're writing and they're just getting to do what they want. And some of those people are in high school, you know, like, and and understanding that those were some, some of those people were children that were writing those stories, just like me. It was, it was definitely this like eye-opening moment of like, hey, you can do this too. You are allowed to put your stuff out there into the universe.
0: Oh, shit. So before fan fiction, it ever even occurred to you that someone not a full-grown adult could practice writing, could write something.
1: definitely. And like, you know, I had my, you know, spiral ring notebooks full of scribblings and things like that, but never in a million years would I have shown those to anyone. And like realizing that other kids were doing that and like getting feedback and talking with other people and like forming communities around that, it was just... It was a really cool moment to be like, oh, I could do this, too. You know?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like that shift in perspective when you're like, oh, you know, other people are doing this. Why not me? Right. Which is when you start dabbling and you start experimenting on your own stuff. When did you first write your first piece of fanfiction and what was that like?
1: Man, I think I was probably I want to say a, a freshman in high school. And I had gotten, like, super obsessed with the most random fandom, so don't laugh. But there's this show back in the day, it's like a medical drama called House. And, dude.
0: I <laughs> House. Yeah, you know, there were a lot of fan fictions out there. We'll have to, okay, this might actually come up later when we start <laughs> discussing the tropes that are relevant to today's discussion. Yeah. Because there are actually quite a few for that <laughs> yeah. House fandom.
1: Yeah, there are, <laughs> which probably was my, I don't know, introduction into that. But anyway, I wrote, I I want to say just one that I had like written a long time ago and like kept rewriting, kept rewriting, kept rewriting. And finally on fanfiction.net, I was like, okay, I'm going to post it. I'm going to get feedback. And you know, it was probably like three chapters long and it was very bad looking back, you know, but it, but people liked it and I got some good feedback and people were you know, nice, which was a blessing that I didn't even realize, you know, because people can be pretty awful as far as comments and unsolicited advice and things like that go. But people were pretty nice. And that was my first fan fiction I ever posted. And then I posted another one. And then I posted another one. And it just kind of went downhill from there. And after, I think, probably the third or fourth house MD fan fiction I posted, I just stopped writing for a long time. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know why exactly. I think it was like a crisis of faith in myself, probably, just because I lost interest. And I, you know, was pretty hard on myself at the time, because by that point, I was going to college, I was an English major, I was like reading all these amazing works by amazing people. And, you know, really feeling moved by poetry and stories. And it was this moment where I like thought to myself, like, hey, you're a poser, stop it.
0: That imposter syndrome. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Like to the point where I'm I'm very ashamed to admit this, but to the point where there's there's definitely a fan fiction on my old fanfiction.net account that I just never finished. <laughs> it's just they're <laughs> unfinished. <laughs>
0: Are you even a fan fiction writer, though, if you don't have at least one abandoned WIP?
1: I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. I think you have to have at, one, at least one shame whip that you've never like yeah. <laughs> that You just never that's mentioned right. to anyone.
0: <laughs> that's right. And then somebody is going to crawl through the Internet looking for you and they'll find it. Yes, of course. And they'll bring it up one day. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. That's awesome. That's so interesting, though, that you took a break. And it doesn't sound like it was any one thing.
1: No, it wasn't like, you know, like this. I woke up one morning and was like, no, I can't do this anymore. No, it was just this slow, like loss of interest and being busy with other things and then just like not having the confidence to get back into it for a long time.
0: Now, what was it that inspired you to get back into it? (laughs) Man, I got to say it was
1: probably I'm sure you are familiar with this feeling. But you get really into a certain type of fic Mm -hmm. and you devour all the content that there is with those sorts of fics. Like you start with the really good fan fictions and then you read some that are not so great and then you read some where it's like, okay, (laughs) maybe we should find something else to read. And eventually I was just like, you know what? F it. Like I'm going to write my own. I'm going to put some content out there that I like, that I enjoy, that's something that I would want to read if I stumbled upon it. And I just jumped right
0: back in like I had never left. (laughs) Sometimes you got to be your own hero that way, right? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, thank God that you did, because your stuff is amazing. I love it. I love it. The one that we're going to talk about today, it's really long, which is really great. (laughs) Really long. There's a lot of it to consume, right? Which is amazing. But just the quality of the writing here, man, it's amazing. So thank God that you came back.
1: (laughs) Well, thanks, I'm blushing. What can I say?
0: The work that we're talking about today is a Supernatural fandom fanfiction. How were you first introduced to the Supernatural fandom? And what are your favorite things about that?
1: I I mean, Supernatural was one of the big three, you know, back in the day, at least when I was a kid, there was Sherlock was a huge fandom, Supernatural, and then Doctor Who. And I dabbled with Sherlock for a while, like I kind of liked the show, but I lost interest in that pretty quickly. I never was into Doctor Who, uh, and man, (laughs) Supernatural just kind of hit exactly what I was looking for. I'm sure I started watching it back in high school. My friends and I were very into it. We would DVR the episodes and watch them together and like, you know, frantically be texting back and forth about what this and that that had happened and how we couldn't believe, you know, this plot development and things like that. And it was just, it was a it was a fun kind of communal experience because all of my friends were also very into that show. And it was nice to like nerd out with other
0: people. <laughs> right, right. Gave you that sense of connection with, you know, others that like the same things you like.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And like, I, th- I think up until that point, I had kind of been in the mode of like, you can like stuff, but don't tell people about it. You know, having that old like, I'm afraid of being cringy kind of behavior, which like, I don't feel that anymore. But. You know, back in the day, of course, when you're an impressionable child, you don't want to be ostracized for any reason. So having uh, other people that were just as crazy about a show as you were, and in some cases even more crazy, was very helpful,
0: <laughs> I think. Sure. It gives you that safe space to share and talk and bounce ideas and just kind of be yourself. For sure. Without fear of that rejection or, yeah. you know, whatever. Oh, that's cool. So now you have finished the show, right? Because I, I understand that it ended... <laughs> So you've
1: yeah. finished
0: it all the way up to the end now?
1: So this might be, uh what's the word? This might be heresy. But I stopped watching Supernatural at about, I want to say season 11, 12, something what? like that. And I never finished it. And I don't plan to. Oh, I you're don't kidding plan me. To, no.
0: Okay. Now, how many were there? Because I know there's a lot more than 11.
1: I want to say there was... 15,
0: 14, yeah. 15 Yeah, something seasons? like that, right?
1: Yeah, and man, I mean, the show is good. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. Like, there was lots of good things to enjoy about the show. But at a certain point, once you're 15 seasons into pretty much anything, you're starting to run out of original plot points. <laughs> yeah,
0: so you're just beating the dead horse at yeah, that point? Yeah, pretty
1: much. And of course, they were going to do that until it stopped spitting out money. So I wasn't, you know, I don't blame them but I'm probably not ever gonna finish that show just because I, I mean, you know, I didn't keep myself from looking at spoilers. I know how it ends and I'm not interested. I don't wanna be sad because <laughs> I, I was disappointed with the ending.
0: You didn't watch that controversial last season finale then, huh?
1: Nope, I've, I've seen clips of it, but I have not actually sat down and watched through everything, mostly because I think it's just gonna make me sad. I tend to avoid things that make me sad these days.
0: So. Oh, and that's understandable. Plus it seems to have caused quite the kerfuffle
1: my In Lord. the fandom
0: anyway? Yeah, that's one word for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I say that as a silent observer because I don't consider myself part of the like supernatural canon fandom. Mm-hmm. I watched the first season of the show. I wanted to get into it so badly. And I don't know what's wrong with my brain. It just wouldn't cooperate. But I have avidly read Supernatural fan fictions, on the other hand, since I was like 20.
1: That's so funny.
0: You know, all this time I've been reading them. So I'm familiar with the characters. I'm familiar right, with, of course. you know, the major plots of canon. But it's all through osmosis from the fan fiction that I read. So if I get anything wrong during this interview with my canon knowledge, Y'all just have to forgive me.
1: <laughs> you know, at this point, it's been so long since I've watched anything past like I don't know season four that I probably wouldn't know if you get it wrong either. So yeah, my my fic is firmly AU at this point. Like I don't I don't know what's going on in canon.
0: Yeah, well, no, and I love supernatural AUs because then I can follow and not be afraid that I'm like missing something. Yeah, yeah, missing something because like. Like I said, you know, I never made it past season one, so. Now, with the Supernatural fandom, though, what do you find most compelling about that Castiel and Dean pairing?
1: Oh, man. <laughs> a lot, you know. I mean, I I grew up as a very closeted queer kid, you know, and so grew up in the Bible Belt, grew up in Texas. My parents go to church. I went to church up until I turned 18, you know, and It was definitely an obsession with a relationship between two people that, according to pretty much everything, should not have been in a relationship, right? Like, they're two men. They're, you know, Dean is this like manly man. So, of course, he couldn't be gay. And, you know, it was this kind of this, oh, you know, like I'm watching another couple fall in love because that's, you know, firmly how I believe that it was, of course, at the time that aren't supposed to be together. You know, Castiel is this like character that has everything going against him having a relationship with a human, like he's an angel and he's, you know, emotionless or is it supposed to be emotionless. And then Dean has all this trauma that he's carrying around with him and he's like very untouchable. And there are aspects of, of both of that in me, I think, you know, like growing up religious and growing up like not really being able to express how I felt about things and people. It was just this, <sighs> like a projection basically, you know. <laughs> I don't know I don't know how else to call it. It was me falling in love with other people falling in love because I wasn't allowed to do it myself.
0: And that's a completely valid reason, right? And I think that's a really beautiful reason actually, because I've had so many experiences like that myself where I see something in a piece of media that I'm consuming whether it's a show or a movie or whatever and I will fall so hard for any character that I can relate to on some level, right? Right. Because you're you're right. Like as we go through life, there are so many things that we cannot express adequately in the moment. And sometimes having somebody else express that or live that. And so we're kind of like <laughs> living vicariously through oh, the story. For sure.
1: Yeah. No question. This is a you know a canon point. So I, I hope I don't lose you. I think you know this though, if you've been reading fanfics for this long. But of course, when castiel first meets Dean and when Dean first meets him. Literally, Cassiel has pulled him out of hell. So like he's seen him at his absolute worst and still cares about him and still loves him unconditionally. So for a kid who has a lot of self-worth issues, that is just that was just so validating. You know, it was this like, man, if they can do it, maybe I can find that, too.
0: Right. It gives you that hope, right? Right. That, you know, you're because you're right. He gets pulled out of hell. And there's something so endearing about that dynamic when somebody is seeing you at your worst and falls in love with you anyway.
1: Absolutely. It's, oh God, it's one of my favorite tropes. (laughs) (laughs) Mine (laughs) too,
0: actually. Mine too, because it just gives you a sense of hope that, like, hey, I'm flawed too, you know? And there's hope for me too. For sure. We're going to be talking about your supernatural fan fiction story today, it's still ongoing. We are up to, is it 40 or 41 chapters now?
1: I think it is 40 currently. And today, actually, I'm posting 41 and probably 42 because I wrote a lot over spring break.
0: <laughs> Excellent. I have been keeping a close watch on my email today because I know that you post <laughs> on Sundays. And I'm like waiting for the AO3 inbox notification <laughs> that there is more. Let's see here. So it's called Maybe Sprout Wings. Mm-hmm. Now, what is this story about, and what made you want to write this particular story?
1: Man, this story is about, obviously, you know, Dean and Cass. Like, right? that's the that's the main pairing, because that's what, what I fell in love with with this fandom. And it's about Dean, who is this young man who has been through just, like, a lot of crap, basically. He didn't really have a childhood. He, I don't know how else to say it, he became enslaved at a certain point when he was a kid, and grew up with that, basically. And at the beginning of the story, he's sort of rescued by Castiel, who in this story is this kind of rich, awkward guy who is very much trying to do the right thing, but has no idea how to do it. And the whole story is about them kind of growing together and healing and becoming more comfortable with each other and eventually falling in love. And it's a very, very, very slow burn, but we're getting there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, it's a slow burn. Absolutely. But it's not so slow that you feel like uh, perpetually frustrated. At least Uh, I don't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I have read some slow burns where I'm, you know, halfway through the story and nothing's happening. Right. You're just like, <laughs> you okay, know? Um, <laughs> yeah, anything? yeah. But you combine that slow burn romance with so many different other compelling issues and, you know, scenarios happening that it's just perfect. So, like, it's great.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm glad you like it.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still a work in progress. Is, so we have more is. to go.
1: Uh, it is. I will say that, you know, I don't know if this is a relief to anyone, but I do have the rest of the story bullet pointed out. So, like, I know where it's going and I know how it ends. It's just getting the chapters out there and actually, you know, stop running off on different tangents and get to the main storyline things like that. But I mean, I'm really enjoying writing it. And I started writing it because I needed something to occupy my time, frankly. And uh, I'm really glad I did. I didn't ever intend for it to get this long and get this much attention, but I'm really glad I did.
0: So, one of the reasons that you went in and wrote this particular story was partially to occupy your time. Was there any other reason why you chose this specific trope or story? I mean,
1: (sighs) the fic is the slave AU, which is contentious, and it's also ABO, which is very contentious also, the alpha, beta, omega dynamics, which, you know, a lot of people don't like, (laughs) and I completely understand why, because there are some really touchy things that both of those tropes kind of fall into. I don't know what compelled me to decide to put them both in one fic. (laughs) Other than I think that at the time I was, I had been reading a lot of fics that were similar to that or had similar themes. And I was just really enjoying them because it turns out when you put someone at at a extreme disadvantage and then spend an entire fic kind of building them back up and helping them heal and, showing their recovery process and showing them beginning to trust people again like that's very validating to read and very <laughs> it turns out it's very validating to write and cathartic to write as well so i think i was at this point where it's just like okay what is the worst possible position i can put this character in and then you know how can i build them back up from that point point? and that, that i think that's what started me off using both of those tropes, even though I kind of knew it was going to be a contentious thing.
0: Uh, and that's fascinating to me, because, you know, with slave tropes, you already have somebody kind of starting at the lowest level they can possibly go, right, right, you know, but then you add the ABO on top of that. <laughs> <laughs> and it just takes it to this whole new level where not only are you a slave, but now you're an omega slave. And that's just the worst, like possible, like (laughs) right. Like there's
1: just there's absolutely no lower that you can go in most of these, you know, AU societies that are built up, mine included. Like that is the worst possible position you could be in, and so that's of course where I decided to drop Dean Uh, (laughs) because I'm cruel in that way.
0: Yeah, but the journey he has coming up from being at such a low point, you're right. Like there's something cathartic, I'm sure, about writing it. There's something extremely cathartic about reading it, and you know. I will say that I hesitated just a little bit bringing these topics up on the show to begin with because I wasn't sure that I wanted everybody to know that, hey, I love sleigh fic tropes (laughs) and I I love ABO because you're right, they are so contentious. It's like you either love it or you hate it, and if you hate it, you are so vitriolically vocal in your hatred.
1: And you know what? I completely understand. I do not blame those people at all, because there has been a lot of drama associated with both of those tropes, you know? So I, I can't yes. blame people for feeling that way.
0: Yeah, no, I can't either. Like, I, I totally get, you know? And it's it almost feels like one of those things where you have to justify what you like by saying, in real life, these are morally reprehensible issues that I would <laughs> yeah. never, like...
1: Yeah, there's definitely some some disclaimer situations of like, hey, yeah. don't do this. Hey, don't do yeah, this.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, I would never condone any of this in real life. Right. However... <laughs> but on fan fiction, though... <laughs> yeah, in fan fiction, where literally nobody is getting hurt, right. these are I, fictional maybe characters. Maybe
1: I could possibly just be filtering for those specific tags. You don't know.
0: Like- <laughs> uh, I do. You know, now that we're talking about it, I'll be completely open and honest. Like, You know, anybody who goes trolling through my bookmarks, uh-huh. you know what? You- you'll get some good stuff in there, too, that's not that. But, you know. But there's a theme. <laughs> there's a theme in there. So, sorry, not sorry. But... I have been trying to psychoanalyze myself for years, <laughs> trying to understand like, OK, why? Because, you know, when I was younger and less confident in myself, I really thought there was something like psychologically wrong with me because I've been reading slave tropes and ABO stuff since I was like a teenager. Right.
1: Oh, Yeah, I'm right there with you.
0: And in my 20s, I thought like. Man, there must be something really broken and wrong with me because why would anybody like this? It's like reprehensible, right, you know?
1: Right, you feel just gross. You read a fic and you're like, wow, that was so good, and then you think about it and it's like, oh my god, what am I doing? You know, am I a bad person? Would I condone this in real life? And of course, no. But right. I, as a as a young adult, you don't you don't know.
0: <laughs> right, you don't you don't, and so you start second guessing yourself. Like, I don't know. And then you never tell anybody, oh, like no. this is the first time that I have spoken out loud about these two tropes ever in my entire life. Oh, because you
1: chose such a private platform. there's no way anyone will know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like, you know, and how do you even bring that up in like a normal conversation? Oh, God,
1: with... I, man, I haven't figured it out, so if yeah. you figure it out, let me know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I suspect that one of the reasons, one of the many. You know, because like I said, I'm still trying to figure this shit out, but one of the many reasons that I like it is because i I have a thing for vulnerable characters. They don't have to be vulnerable in Canon, necessarily. Mm-hmm. But if they are made vulnerable in a fanfiction situation, I die of yeah. happiness. Oh, like I'm head over same. heels with that. <laughs> I'm not sure why. but uh,
1: <laughs> you know, i I feel the same. And I'm trying to find a way to like explain this. That doesn't make me sound like a complete crazy person. But I think both ABO and slave AU fix kind of do this fun thing where the character in question is extremely vulnerable, obviously. And they also have not had a choice. In ABO, it's biology, right? Like they're condemned by society and they were born this way and there's just nothing that they can do about it. They can't escape. Kind of the fate. And so, like, it's very much not their fault, but it's also something that they can't help. And in slave AUs, the same thing. Like, you, their autonomy has been taken away from them. All their rights have been taken away from them. And so, there's, I don't know how to put this. It's, it almost gives the character and the writer, for me personally, more permission to make them vulnerable because yes. you logically are like, well, of course of course they're vulnerable. They're in a horrible position. They have no other choice but to be vulnerable.
0: Right. And you don't have to justify them into that place. And
1: you, no one would blame them, you know? (laughs) So as a person who does not like being vulnerable personally, when I feel like, okay, well, you know, I don't have a choice. I have to explain myself. I'm much more likely to share my feelings with somebody. Same thing here, right? If the characters literally cannot escape, (laughs) they're kind of stuck where they are it means that they're kind of forced to work out their their shit
0: yes forced confrontation yes right yes which you know i think that's an interesting dynamic because in real life <laughs> where we have choices many of us hesitate working through that shit because that means that we have to choose to go see a therapist that right. means we have to choose to go confront that shit yes you right? have to dig
1: into your own brain and God. you
0: do you do yes yes so I never really thought of it that way, but that makes so much sense. You know, maybe that's one of the reasons we love it so much, because they they have no choice. No,
1: they don't. And also, you know, with certain aspects of, especially ABO, their characters are more likely to, like, literally physically touch each other than they would be, I think, in any other situation, just because, like, that's part of the trope, right? Like, they're biologically driven more than, like, regular humans are. And so that, too, like it it sounds stupid, but it kind of brings an element of realism into a recovery fic because, yeah, they're touching and it's not that unrealistic in this world because they're driven to do that. And so it's okay, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, no. And I loved that in this story, especially because, you know, in stories like these, maybe it's just me. But I love the comfort part oh, of the, yeah. you know, just as much as I love the hurt part. In fact, I'm not one of those gratuitous people that likes just the hurt. I know there are people out there that like just that, and that's great. Go to yeah, town. You on do, that. you bro. I need my comfort, and with the ABO, you're right. Like. It's that excuse to have them be physically closer and physically more able to comfort each other in a realistic way, whereas just with a traditional slave fic trope, they might not do that because the rescuer is really afraid of triggering the person, you know. Yeah,
1: and and of course the person is is also probably scared of the rescuer to a certain extent as well. And right. so, you know, and I've read plenty of really good fix that handle that very well and make it seem realistic. But me personally, I think it was in my brain. I was just like, well, you really want to have your characters hug <laughs> like soon. <laughs> so you better figure that out.
0: Make it biological. Then they have no <laughs> yeah. but
1: Make them sense bond with each other. And then, they <laughs> then they'll want to hug all the time. Great. Evil. <laughs> Evil laughter.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. But it just works, it though. Really it works. Like, I love the layering in the story. I love it that the those two things are combined. And that's why I was laughing earlier when you brought up a uh, house. Because, like, the funny thing about house is, and I'm going to try not to laugh here. <laughs> I haven't thought about this in years, but there are a lot of slave figs.
1: There are, which is, like... I don't know why that is, you know? I, I don't know why. I Maybe it's because he's such an abrasive character. That's that, what I was thinking. Yeah, like t- in order to kind of bring him down and make him vulnerable, there there has to be this like element of, uh, well, of course he's vulnerable, you know, in this case. So, uh, yeah, that, I mean, I haven't thought about that in a long time because it's been a while since I've been a part of that fandom. But yeah, man, right. there were, there are, yeah.
0: I'm sure still. Yeah, there are just a ton of them. And you know, I find myself reading them. You know, like not so much anymore. But if they pop up on my feet, yeah, yeah, I'll go back for a oh, sake. Sure. But why not? But yeah, I was just so surprised. Like House, really? Like <laughs> that's interesting because you would think that it would be who's that other character on House? Is it uh, Doctor? What's his face? Wilson. Uh, J... Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there yeah. you go. I wanted to call him James, is that his name?
1: I think that's his first name. It's been a while, <laughs> but I'm almost yeah, certain that's I, his first name.
0: And you would think, right, that he would be the one being put into that position? Right, because he's the,
1: you know, more vulnerable character,
0: but. Exactly, exactly. But no, people wanted to see House. So I was like, all right, I'll 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 ride this train. That's fine. For sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so funny, I haven't thought about that in years, but uh, yeah, true, true story, guys. So let me see here. I lost my train of thought. Oh, with those two particular tropes, both being controversial and both being in your story, did you have reservations and concerns about posting this story in the first place? God,
1: yeah. I think I, I, <laughs> I posted the first like chapter of this in a blind like panic, <laughs> basically, and was just like, oh god, like if you get one negative comment, just delete the whole thing. Like you oh, don't want to, no. you don't want to make anyone upset, and you know, and, and this is definitely like the longest thing i've ever written to and uh yeah i was i had lots of trepidations because it if you fuck up here man (laughs) it's it's bad because like you can't like a dog pile yeah dude i mean you can't you can't fuck around with with the slavery of all things you know like that's you got to be really really careful not to glorify that and you've got to be really really careful not to you know, make it seem like, oh, it's not that bad. And the power of love will heal you, you know, and man, you know, that, that with that. And then with ABO, there's I think most of the controversy of that comes from uh, consent
0: issues. Right. A lot of people say that they don't like the consent issues inherent in the trope.
1: Yeah. Which I'm,
0: understandable. I,
1: I completely understand that because I, th- <laughs> I think a lot of authors kind of use that as their excuse to push characters together that probably like in healthy terms (laughs) should not be together.
0: Right. Right. You see the word problematic being thrown around a lot.
1: And it is, it really is. And I, you know, I've, I've enjoyed my, my problematic fix in the past. Don't get me wrong, you know, and there's, there's something weirdly cathartic about reading things like that. But I just, I was so, 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 so afraid that I would be accused of you know, forcing my characters into bad situations or, you know, like glorifying basically sexual assault, you know, or if when you're in a sober state of mind and you wouldn't want to do something just because the character is biologically, like mentally impaired, essentially, which is kind of what happens when the quote unquote ruts or heats go on. Like so many Fix use that as an excuse to like, oh, well, he wanted it all along. That is such a troubling that is such a troubling thing (laughs) that I really, really, really wanted to avoid in this fic.
0: Now, at this point, and I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but at this point, I will just do a general disclaimer to folks out there. If you have not read this story already, if you're not familiar with it, please do heed the tags. Yeah. You know, the tags will warn you of things. Everything is well tagged and Casually Neurotic does really great author's notes with tags in them as well. So I would encourage you guys to check those tags to make sure that this is something that you would be okay with reading because, you know, we, we love this stuff, but that doesn't mean that it's for everybody. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to trigger anybody.
1: It gets dark. That I mean, Yeah, it does. it does. It does
0: get dark. So if that's not your cup of tea, just be careful, practice self-care and all of that. I just wanted to Get that out of the way.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, no story is worth your mental health. So <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. But for those of us who just can't get enough of this shit, <laughs> it is really great. It does get dark, which, you know, again, I love. But one of the things that I really love about this story is your interpretation of Castiel's character, because, you know, <laughs> as a slave-fake connoisseur of sorts, <laughs> I, I've read a lot of different, you know, scenarios with this particular trope. And a lot of stories feature that savior-like rescuer who rescues the person who's enslaved, right? Mm -hmm. Brings them home. They give them a bath. Of course. Always. Obligatory. Always. Exactly. (laughs) Here's some food. Now you're not hungry. And let me just heal you with the power of my love. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those stories, man. I've read so many of them and they're satisfying to me. Of course. And it's great, right? But, but... (laughs) This particular story I'm in love with because you don't do that here with Castiel's character even though he is the rescuer archetype mm-hmm. he is not the savior like rescuer he's not the all knowing let me heal you no, with the power of my love he's very he's very bumbling <laughs> yeah he's not the guy that knows exactly what to do every single time something comes up which is funny to me because You pit that against his alpha designation, which is amazing, (laughs) because (laughs) with alphas, they're typically described in stories as confident and strong, and they always know what to do, and they're used to being obeyed, and that feels natural to them. Castiel is, like, the worst alpha I've ever seen (laughs) in my life, which is great. He would probably agree with you. (laughs) I love it, because, like, he's so uncomfortable with his own designation and he's not confident and he's bumbling and he has so much self-doubt about his role as caretaker here. He just kind of fumbles his way through it. And to me, that's beautiful because you get to see this person who wants so badly to help and doesn't know how. And that would absolutely be me if I was in that scenario. I do not know how to take care of other people. That does not come naturally to me. So while I can see myself wanting to rescue somebody out of that situation, once I got them home, I would have no fucking clue. It's like, okay, where do I go from here? You know, what do I do? I I would be a wreck. And this was the first time that I saw a rescuer put into that position and having those thoughts, right? Like, wow, I'm a wreck. I have no idea what to do. (laughs) Like, What inspired you to write him that way? Uh,
1: You know, I mean, I think it was a combination of things. First things first, I felt like it just suited his character a little bit more because in canon he's not like very suave; <laughs> he's extremely awkward, you know. <laughs> like he's yeah, he is he of is. course this like all powerful being, but he you know doesn't get pop culture references and he doesn't really understand how humanity works and he doesn't understand like the motivations, especially of like Dean and Sam, or especially early on too. He doesn't like get that you do things because they're morally right, like he. He, he's, he's lost on that for a long time. And I, I mean, it takes basically the duration of the show for him to grow out of that. And I just I felt like this idea that I would read in other fics where he was just like this all knowing, like super loving character that knew exactly what to do and completely understood what Dean would be going through. It just didn't strike me as as realistic because he's not confident in that way you know, and he's extremely earnest, and he's a really good character, but he's, he's awkward. (laughs) And so I I wanted to write him as that. And I also wanted to kind of explore, like you brought it up earlier, but I wanted to explore that crisis of him biologically being an alpha, but being extremely uncomfortable with the connotations and the expectations that come with that, because he doesn't want to overstep his bounds, he doesn't want to end up you know, like other alphas in the story, he doesn't ever want to, you know, make anyone feel like he's trying to take advantage of them. And he's not confident in himself anyway. And so and, and he he's spent a lot of his life kind of suppressing himself out of fear. And so I wanted to explore what it would be like to put him in a situation where he kind of has no choice, but to (laughs) feel alpha like tendencies of like protection and you know, anger that he just doesn't really know what to do with, and this like kind of fierce sort of attitude that he's never experienced, and what what that would do to him, just psychologically. Because I'm sick, and I like looking into things like that. You
0: know, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was so realistic to me, and that's what I adored about it. Is like, wow, this is so real. You know, because he's just struggling on all sides with all the different things that are happening, and it was so compelling to me to watch him. Instead of throwing in the towel, right? And just being like, this is too hard. Somebody else take care of this shit. Like, I can't handle it. He powers through it awkwardly, (laughs) albeit. Stumbling, yes. Right. But he stays with it, which I thought was so great. Because how many times have I been in a situation that I am so uncomfortable with? And sometimes you have to sit in that discomfort and in that pain and just kind of like move through it. Yeah. You know? And I was like, wow, wow. And you could see with his train of thought and, yeah, I wrote the word suppressed when I was making notes. (laughs) Yeah. I wrote that word several times because I was like, man, he is so afraid to make any wrong move that he's constantly second guessing everything that he does, especially with Dean and especially with the other Omegas that are at the center that he runs. And I just feel like that would be so exhausting all the time to constantly like second guess everything that you do. So. Yeah. I (laughs) I mean,
1: he's a, he's a nervous wreck in the fact for sure. Like he, he struggles with insomnia and he struggles with, you know, expressing himself and he's just kind of constantly this nervous ball of energy. And at the same time, he's having to care for somebody who is way more nervous than him for a million different reasons. And so he kind of has to Put on this protector role and has to figure out how to be there for somebody when he's never had to do that before. You know, like he's in the story, he's been kind of putting his money toward rescuing other Omegas that have been in similar situations, but he's never been a part of it. Like he's always kind of stood back on the sidelines and let other people who he views as experts handle the situation because he doesn't feel like he has a place there. And then at the beginning of the story, he's put in a place where he has no choice and <laughs> either Dean is not going to be rescued or Castiel is going to be the one to rescue him. And he obviously is not about to let Dean stay where he was. So he, can, he makes right. the choice and, and that and it goes from there.
0: Now you switch off point of views in this fic, which I love, I love that because we get into Castiel's headspace for a little bit and then you switch over to Dean's. I will say that Dean's point of view chapters that you do are my absolute favorite. (laughs) They're so raw. You know, like I wrote the word naked, I think, when I was (laughs) writing this question. It's so emotionally naked and heartbreaking because, you know, there are some writers who deal with these topics that choose not to go into the slave character's headspace Mm -hmm. at all, which is fine. You know, I see those a lot. Yeah, there's a place for that. But uh, when you do get a chance to go into that headspace and when it's done well, it's like it hurts my heart in all the right ways.
1: <laughs> it's that good kind of angst. I
0: don't necessarily understand psychologically why I like that, but it just hurts. You know, you get a lot of unreliable narration here. Oh, God. Yeah. With Dean because his headspace is so fucked up, which, you know, understandably, yeah. right? So you get a lot of like unreliable narration here. You get to see his thought process, why he's so scared, why he thinks he doesn't deserve things, all this like crazy stuff. And I feel like the way that you write it is just so perfect. And I am curious to know, what do you find most challenging when you're writing from Dean's point of view? Because the way that you do it is just perfect. Is that challenging for you to go from his point of view and his headspace?
1: I would say yes, in a lot of ways. I think that like in terms of personality... He and I have similar, like, you know, senses of humor and things like that, at least the way that I write him because, of course, I'm inserting myself into this fic like any author does. And so, like, his voice isn't necessarily difficult to write. But the things that he has to think about every single time he makes a decision, especially early on in this fic, you know, every every single time he speaks or moves or looks somewhere, he has to consider all the possible reactions that Castiel might have to that. and you know, all the bad things that could happen to him and what he's quote unquote supposed to do and what Cass wants him to do. And, you know, there's all these different like paths, his brain has to go down before he does anything. And so it's a lot like a lot of internal monologue. And when I was first starting to post chapters like that, I was afraid that people would hate that, you know, (laughs) like, because, you know, I, I, you know, everyone's their own worst critic. But I was concerned that it would be like, oh man, like, if you really look at the dialogue in this chapter, they don't talk a whole lot. (laughs) It's a lot of internal monologue and uh, silences and pauses where Dean tries to figure himself out and figure out what he's supposed to say and what he's supposed to do. And just from a, you know, writing standpoint, organizing that so that it is, like, clear to the reader what's going on in his brain is difficult sometimes because it's like... Okay, you know, basically write down a a web of all the things that he would have to consider before he does anything. And which one of these do you want to go into? And which one of these issues has already been resolved by a previous thing that has happened in this fic? And which one of these is he going to overcome basically <laughs> before he says something or does something? And just keeping it organized has <laughs> been
0: kind of a nightmare sometimes. Well, yeah. The level of detail that you go into here is astounding to me. And I think that that's one of the things that made it real to me and also just was so heartbreaking because, yeah, you see him with that internal monologuing, considering all of these little things that I, as a reader, having never been in that situation before, would never consider. And then having that brought, you know, into my purview and kind of like smacked me in the face with it, was just so great, you know? (laughs) It was, so it's just heartbreakingly beautiful to realize like, oh my God, I never would have thought of that as something that someone in his position would have to think about, you know? And him just having to consider those things 24 hours a day, seven days a week, exhausting.
1: Oh, absolutely. I cannot imagine (laughs) the, the stress that these, that what I've done to these characters, the stress they must be under. It's weird because you have to find this line where you're kind of explaining to the reader why the character feels that way with, you know, little flashbacks and little hints of the stuff that he's been through and what his like point of view is without coming right out and stating the obvious, you know, <laughs> because you don't, you want it to to find this line between like this is why this character is acting this way. And that's clear to the reader, but not even the character understands why they're acting that way (laughs) because they wouldn't logically, right? Like Dean has basically spent the last decade of his life being brainwashed and that does a lot of damage to you. And so sometimes it was this moment of like, how do I make it clear to the reader that like Dean is not correct in his pattern of thinking, but he sees it as completely logical. And of course he sees it this way. Based on the stuff that he's been through,
0: yes, and those were my favorite lines from your whole story. <laughs> is Dean's point of view when you can absolutely tell that his train of thought is incorrect? He has incorrect assumptions, which you know we can understand why, like you said. But just following him down that path and just wanting to be like, no, 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 Dean, that's not that's not right. Yeah. Like, <laughs>
1: Listen, to you know, baby, like, please wait, pause, <laughs> roll it yeah, back. exactly.
0: Exactly. And you just want to help him like dial that back a little bit and challenge his headspace and his thinking. But going on that journey with him, to me, it's just, uh, I can't even explain. I don't have the words to explain how emotionally satisfying that is. Well,
1: I'm glad you're enjoying I it. I wish I could like, explain <laughs> that, but I can't.
0: But just know that I absolutely love it. And I love that you do that. And you do it better than anyone that I've ever seen. I have seen a couple of other people do it here and there. And they're very good. In fact, I read another I think it was another slave story, actually, for Supernatural that sort of does this a little bit. But the way that you do it, like, I've never seen anything like this before. It's amazing. So I think people are reacting well to it. From what I can tell in the comments, I react well to it. <laughs> As you can see, I'm, like, starstruck here because, oh, uh, so good. I feel like Dean and Cass have a lot to learn from each other in this story. Oh, yeah. Because they're, like, essentially two broken people coming together. And it's kind of a found family kind of situation <laughs> where, um, of you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So without giving away any major spoilers, because I know that you have a ways to go here with the end of the story. What are your ultimate goals here with what you want these two characters to ultimately learn from each other?
1: Man, I mean, I think both of them are more similar than they realize. You know, I mean, you go into this fic and they go into this story seeing all of their differences because Cass is an alpha and he's rich and he's like kind of the top in society and he is in this case the person that owns dean and so he's got all of these like kind of built-in advantages right and so dean sees him as this like all-powerful being for a long time in the story and Cass kind of expects himself to also fulfill that role for a while and so you know he's he sees the differences there and then dean is an omega and he's physically at a disadvantage and he grew up poor and is poor, you know, as poor as you can be because he owns literally nothing and he is enslaved and so there's a lot of surface level differences but if you look kind of into their characters, both of them are really, really struggling with just kind of trusting themselves, I guess they really struggle with like allowing themselves to (sighs) I don't to follow their instinct. They, they struggle with having, you know, perfectly logical, frankly, reactions to things. They struggle with expressing their emotions for, I mean, for different reasons, but they both have similar issues as far as accepting themselves and trusting themselves. And so I think as this fic moves forward, one of my main goals is to let them start trusting themselves and seeing that just because they have an emotional reaction to something that doesn't make them necessarily weaker, it doesn't make them a monster, it doesn't make them bad and just because they, you know, want comfort or want to comfort someone that doesn't make them bad or, you know, weak. And I just I want them to <laughs> trust themselves by trusting each other if that makes sense.
0: It does because that connection with another human being can sometimes give you that permission, right? Yeah, I think so. to start thinking of yourself in a different way and challenging your own train of thought, your own, you know, perspective on things.
1: For sure. And when they, when they finally start to communicate, like actually communicate with each other and share their thoughts with each other, I think they very quickly begin to realize that they're on very different pages as far as how they see the situation and how they see each other. Because of course, Castile sees Dean as this like incredibly resilient, strong young man who's been through stuff that he never should have had to go through. Where Dean sees himself as this like weakling, right? Who has had all this bad stuff happen to him because essentially he thinks he asked for it. And then you know Dean sees Cass as this incredibly caring, incredibly thoughtful person who is going out of his way to help somebody who Dean, you know, of course doesn't think he deserves to be helped. And he sees Cass as this like remarkable person because he's going against what society tells him it's okay to be. And Cass does not see that at all. Cass thinks that he's doing, you know, the bare minimum, if not worse, most of the time as far as caring for another person and behaving as a person should. And so when they start to get on the same page, they slowly start to kind of be more comfortable with themselves and with each other. And thats it's been really fun to write, you know, <laughs> especially in later chapters, like no spoilers, but especially in later chapters, it's really fun to have them be on the same page <laughs> when they communicate.
0: Yeah, I've noticed that the last couple of chapters have been not completely like communicating like 100%, Mm -hmm. but they're getting there, right? They're getting there because you're right, like they're kind of on different pages (laughs) for a lot of the story at the beginning. And it's just heartbreaking, but understandable. And so, yeah, in the most recent chapters you've been seeing come out, they are starting to communicate and kind of... If not be on the same page, at least be in the same vicinity. Yeah, be in the same book (laughs) on the same page. Yeah. (laughs) Which is really, really great because sometimes that open communication is exactly what people need to start trusting themselves and other people. So that's just really, really cool to see. And I'm sure that we'll get to see more of Dean's recovery process. We'll get to see Castile probably. Maybe be a little bit more confident. (laughs)
1: Slowly but surely, they are getting there. Yes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Slowly but surely, which, you know, I love. I love to see that progression. So definitely looking forward to what's coming out next for your story here. I have gone through some of the reactions to your story just because I love reading other people's comments. Like, (laughs) it's one of my favorite things to do because, you know, people are so smart. They really are. (laughs) And they pick up on stuff. And I consider myself, you know, averagely smart. And there are things people point out that I'm like, oh, I didn't even like I didn't even see that. Cool. Thanks for pointing that out. (laughs) There have been a lot of good reactions to your story. Did that surprise you?
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I I think the first the first chapter I posted, I got like three comments, probably, you know, and like which makes sense because it, it was a whip and you don't you know, you don't expect to get a whole lot of comments on fics that are not finished. And so I kind of knew going into that 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 I wasn't going to get a whole lot of reaction. And I assumed that I would continue to not get any sort of reaction from people. But that was okay with me because I was doing this for myself. You know, that very quickly changed and people really started interacting with this story in a way that I was frankly shocked by because, of course, like I'm writing it. And so I don't think it's that good (laughs) or I don't think it's that, you know, And it's not an interesting read to me because I've reread those chapters 87 times before I post them, you know, and it was surprising to me how much people engaged with the story and were like rooting for the characters right away and, you know, sympathizing with the characters and not villainizing the characters too, which is something that I was afraid was going to happen for sure, especially with these tropes. Right. So, you know, and... (sighs) I struggled a lot early on because there are so many aspects of this this sort of trope that if the characters would just just come out and say the sentence like I do not want to hurt you you would think that that would solve so many problems but it doesn't you know because even if you literally are saying those words that the other character's not hearing that and trying to find a way to justify Dean's thought process and justify Castiel's thought process and why he doesn't just come out and say stuff and why he doesn't just right away say like, okay, you know, your life as a slave is basically over. And trying to justify that in a way that doesn't, that wasn't contrived was hard. And I was afraid that people would react with like, why doesn't Cash just say this? Or why doesn't Dean just say that? You know?
0: Oh, right. Oh, God. And like,
1: that was my worst fear of thinking like, oh, God, they're really, people are going to think that I'm drawing this out too long or that I'm, being unrealistic with their reactions. But I really haven't gotten any of that. (laughs) It's like maybe one comment here or there. But even those comments are like more this, you know, slow burn frustration of like, for God's sake,
0: (laughs) would you you just move on, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I went into the comment section, like, not cringing, but just being prepared, you know, for the dog pile of hate. Mm -hmm. I've never actually seen it personally in any story with these tropes, but I've just heard that it it's a thing that happens. So I went in there going, oh, I hope she hasn't gotten a lot of hate for this. So I go in there and man, like people just have really reacted favorably to the story, the way that you interpret the characters, the different story arcs and different things like that. What has been some of your favorite reactions to the story so far?
1: Man, I, you, you said earlier that you, you read through comments sometimes and you're like, oh, well, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I do that too. Like, I read through the comments, and I'm like, damn, I didn't even think about that. That is true. <laughs> wow, I didn't even realize that that was a parallel, or I didn't even realize that like that was a you know an interesting arc in this story, or that that was quote unquote clever because like that's I just it was an accident probably, you know? yeah. <laughs> frankly sometimes. And so sometimes people are like, wow, this was so smart. The way that you did this was amazing, and I'm just like, ooh man, (laughs) well, that's good because this was about one of four different ways I could have written that scene. And (laughs) I don't know if you would have liked the other three, and it was a complete accident that I picked this one.
0: Oh, that's so funny. So it's surprising sometimes what people pick up on. Oh, yeah,
1: for sure. And, And there's definitely, because this is a work in progress story and because, you know, I have the basic outline there, but there's definitely been entire chapters and sometimes even entire arcs that have been added to the story that I didn't originally plan on writing. A lot of those are based on comments and a lot of those are, you know, sparked by ideas that people who are reading my story give me. And it's been really cool to kind of have this collaborative team effort, if that makes sense. Like, it's not that I'm taking requests necessarily because I'm the type of person who will intentionally not do a thing that someone wants me to do. But I, I just, it's been really interesting to like read how people expect the story to go, you know, where people make predictions. I think that's my favorite thing. Honestly, because <laughs> sometimes I'm like, man, what if, what if that happened?
0: <laughs> oh, right, right. No, exactly. That kind of makes you think about things maybe that you wouldn't have thought of. For sure. Have you had this type of interactive quality to your fan fictions before? Or is this the first time that this is really happening? Uh,
1: absolutely not. <laughs> the other <laughs> the other things that I've posted have not gotten anywhere close to this sort of attention. And I mean, rightfully so, because the things that I have on my my AO3 account are either very, very short or are from different fandoms or, you know, like, I think the longest other thing that I've posted is like maybe 17k, you know, so like, they're just the comments there are not as in depth, which is fine. You know, like, I never expected this level of interaction with this story to the point where I've, like, been convinced, basically, by my readers to start a completely different story that's related to it. So, (laughs) I mean, that's literally featuring only side characters. And so it's just, I don't know, it's been, it's been really humbling, I think, to have people give a shit about what I'm writing, because that's never happened before.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, just considering the world building that you've done here, I think people really enjoy this. I've seen people asking for like Balthazar's story, and I've seen people want more Benny, and
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is which is dangerous for me because man, I love to go off on tangents, and I have backstories <laughs> for all of these characters, you know. So I've been uh, I've been I don't want to say persuaded, but basically, like I kind of gauged the reaction of the people reading my story, and was just like, hey, would you guys be interested in reading Balthazar's story because he's a really important character in this fic? Because Cassio relies a lot on him, and people are like, "Yes," <laughs> I was like, "Well, okay." Well, yeah. And I'm yeah. four chapters in into a fic that has that is completely <laughs> it's not even uh, the same thing that I was writing about originally, and never planned to write, you know. So it, I just it's it's really cool. I really enjoy that, and it's a dangerous thing for readers to be like, "We want more," because I will always do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I will oblige. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ask for it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I think people will be really excited to see that because it's always sad when a really popular work in progress ends because then we're like, oh, well, you know, on the one hand, you have the resolution, right? But on the other hand, you're like, but what about the next chapter right. that I, I can't I, look I, it's forward a to now? Thing.
1: That was what I looked forward to on this <laughs> on this day, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm sure that a lot of people out there will be happy to know that uh, you have plans to expand. Oh,
1: for sure. Yeah, I got I've got too many ideas, basically.
0: <laughs> now I'm really interested in what you said earlier about this being your biggest, most ambitious work in progress so far. And the reason that I say that is because I've been following this story since the beginning, and you have kept up a pretty consistent posting schedule, which to me is super impressive. Like, you don't see that all the time, especially not for something this in-depth and this good. And so, like, I'm wondering, how do you stay on track? Like, what does the writing process look like for this particular project? What can you tell us about that?
1: Okay. So early on... I had written quite a bit ahead, right? So I had probably, I want to say, probably 60K written of this story, and I mean, a lot of that has not even made it into this because I scrapped it or it was bad or whatever. But you know, I thought, okay, I'm not done with it, but I've got enough to where I feel like I can start posting chapters and I'll be able to work enough ahead of time to where you know, I'll never be at a point where I'm writing the chapter the day of or anything like that. Well, that's, that's where I am now. Um, <laughs> of course, because, I, you know, <laughs> thinking that I had it all planned out was uh, hubris on my part, for sure, because I, I don't. And so a lot of times I post on Sundays, these days, most of the time when I can. And a lot of times it's, it's basically me getting home from work Friday night and starting the new chapter. <laughs> because, and having really nothing except a vague idea of where it's supposed to be going. And I just like, I just write, I just sit down and write and let kind of my thought process just barf out onto the paper for a while until I've got a a significant amount of writing. And then I go back through and and delete things and rewrite things and be inspired by my beta reader who's given me so many good ideas. (laughs) Their name is uh, Hesitate, Disintegrate. And I'm so thankful for them because discussing a chapter with them, even if they just give me this like spark of an idea, immediately that's a whole probably other 2000 words like and you know and it's it's been really fun to kind of collaborate with another author and and kind of get ideas from them and because I'm just one person I can only think of so many things so a lot of the chapters lately have been I start writing them on Friday and post them at some point on Sunday (laughs) that's kind of the same thing that's happened this week unfortunately I've got a chapter or two that I'm posting today that are just I'm sure people are like, hey, where is it? Hello.
0: You know, knowing all of that actually makes this even more impressive than I thought, because, (laughs) like, you know, I'm not a fan fiction writer myself. I wish I was. I love writing. It's just not something that I am good at. But (laughs) um, I've always had, you know, even when I do attempt to write something, I'm so slow with it. Right. Like I could never start something on a Friday night and then be like ready to post on Sunday. That's amazing to me, especially with how great these chapters are. Your quality is so consistent. My head's blown right now. (laughs) Like I can't even believe it that you're starting the chapters on a Friday and having them ready to post on a Sunday. Like that's insane to me. Awesome. I think
1: a lot of my, I don't want to say ability because that makes it sound like something impressive, but my ability to do that comes from just chronic procrastination in my life (laughs) like I am I was definitely the stereotypical kid whose personality was based around having a 4.0 GPA but then also just never did their homework on time and so that has definitely created this ability to churn out something that's decent in a very short amount of time.
0: Um, so, do you think that actually helps your process, though? Like, if your brain is like, "Gotta come up with something by Sunday," do you feel like that almost jumpstarts oh, your creative ability? For
1: sure. Like, as procrastinators everywhere believe, working under pressure, of course, is is the best way to work. And like, you know, some of that I know is me just justifying not having a good schedule. But a lot of that I think is true yeah. because it's this pressure to make something that's acceptable and of course by the time you've written it and by the time you've posted it you're like this is the worst thing i've ever written in my life it's disgusting i cannot believe i'm spoiling the internet by putting this here you know (laughs) and then
0: the internet oh
1: my god uh, like i'm I'm telling you the fic is currently sorry my dog is trying to get my attention (laughs) the uh the fic is currently at i think chapter 40 and the last chapter i posted i thought was the worst one i've ever written you know like just wholeheartedly thought that I would be uh, laughed away from AO3 and I have gotten more more comments on that chapter saying how people love it than any other chapter I've ever written so you just never know
0: <laughs> yeah I feel like that happens a lot with fanfiction writers I've talked to a lot of writers here as part of the show and I'm blown away by how many writers just hate what they just wrote and then they put it out there and you know us readers have no idea what you envisioned when you went into that chapter so we have no idea. Right. We're just kind of taking it at face value and being like, oh, this is great. You know, and meanwhile, you're thinking of all the things you hoped it would be and wasn't. Right. You know, just like y'all have
1: no idea. This could have been amazing, but it's just trash at this point. But of course, you know, and so you say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to try and convince you to do anything, but you say that you like to write, but you're bad at it. How do you know? You know, because I thought the same thing, but people really like this story. So, you know.
0: Okay, I'm about to out myself here. (laughs) I probably shouldn't say this on the show. I'll probably delete this, okay? Okay, Go for it. But I'm going to say it just (laughs) in case I get brave enough (laughs) to leave it in. This is how I know. Okay, so (laughs) excuse me. (laughs) I can't even get this out. (laughs) So, because slave tropes are some of my guilty pleasure trope of all time right so anytime that I get into a new fandom that's where my head goes right right and even though I'm not necessarily a fan fiction writer like my brain is always thinking of you know different stories and everything's like that I'm in the Cobra Kai fandom right now that's what I read the most these days I'm just obsessed I love Cobra Kai but um, early on my brain was like hey, wouldn't that be cool if you wrote a Cobra Kai slave fake AU? Because the fandom is so small, right? That nobody's going to do that. Like, if I don't do it, nobody's going to do it. You have to
1: produce your own content, of course.
0: Oh, yeah. And girl, I'm telling you, like, I have 47 pages of absolute bullshit (gasps) because I keep starting the story and then being like nope five pages in this is trash and then I uh and then you know I just kind of like space to the next page and go like okay brand new try you know take two uh, take three take oh four I have like I don't know 17 takes of this thing it's 50 pages long 17 takes it's awful it's the most like shitty thing you could ever like, and it's that's what I mean by like bad storytelling because like then I go in and I read yours and I'm like oh my god if I could write Johnny Lawrence from Dean's point of view even half as well as you could, I'd be satisfied. But it's not even half as good. It's not even 20% as good. And I'm just reading it going, nope, this is garbage. So, uh, you know. <laughs> you know? So, and I can't do that to people. Like, I can't be like, this is the slave fic nobody wanted in Cobra Kai. Here you go. <laughs> and then they're expecting something great. Because you know what? In Cobra Kai, even though it's a smaller fandom. We have great writers, right. great writers I, I that are in like there. I feel
1: like that tends to be a theme with very small fandoms.
0: Yeah, it's it's awesome. And I can't come in with my garbage and be like, here you go. Here's some
1: garbage. <laughs> here it is. I've worked very hard on it and I'm presenting it to you. Um, yeah, I just, I can't do it, man. I just, I, you know what? I, I don't want to like come in and say like, no, post it, go for it. Because you know yourself better than anybody else, and if you're not comfortable with it, and if you're like, well, you know, I don't, I don't think that this is ever going to go anywhere, then don't do it. But keep writing it. I think, even if you're never going to post it, right? Like, keep, keep trying, keep writing it, keep rewriting it, if you want to.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. I'm at take, uh, take 18 yeah, now do it. because you know <laughs> I wrote take 17. What? <laughs> three weeks ago when I had some extra time. right? Yeah, It's also a time issue. Like the podcast takes up a lot of time, which I love. I love my show. I love what I do. But when I do have a little bit of extra time, I will jump into my Google Docs and be like, what's Johnny Lawrence up to today? Let's
1: check that out. Let's reread that and see if it's any better than the last time I looked at it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And girl, it was not. Okay. (laughs) I wrote take 17 and thought, man, what a genius. This is great (laughs) shit. I might actually post this. And then I went back three weeks later and read it and was like, what the fuck?
1: <laughs> you know, I've been there. I've been there. I've definitely <laughs> been there. There's been there's been entire chapters of this fic that I have written and then abandoned. I have, I, you're gonna laugh. I have a, uh, a Google Doc named MSU Dumpster Fire, which is basically where I have, I, have copy and I, pasted, <laughs> I have copy and pasted absolute garbage in my, in my mind anyway out of the main, maybe Sprout Wings document, which is nearing 700 pages at this point and just dumped it there because I I got this advice a long time ago, which was don't ever delete anything you write, you know? So I'm glad to hear that you have not like backspaced over the things that you have written and that you've tried to go you know for a draft number two basically because you never know like you could go back into the dumpster and find something that's like hey i could use this i could i could (laughs) diy this into something that's acceptable to look at you know
0: right oh i appreciate that advice thank you so much for that because sometimes i feel like why am i hanging on to this shit but you know, you're probably right. I would probably hate myself forever if I deleted it. So I do keep it. Good. I do. Yeah,
1: you should. Don't don't ever don't ever delete stuff. And I'm like, and man, I've been tempted. I've been tempted many times. Just like, okay, no, I know that's six thousand words that you just wrote. Get rid of it. I never have. I have always <laughs> kept it in the dumpster fire document, <laughs> or you know, I, however many other documents that have grown off of this story. So
0: I love that. Okay, so besides the dumpster fire, we a doc that you have that we all know about now, which is great. <laughs> I love that. Do you have any other writing quirks that you wanted to share?
1: Oh, man. Okay, so a couple. First of all, if you write fanfic and you don't have a beta reader, do that now. Do that immediately. Don't hesitate. Go find someone who really likes your story and who you know can write and propose that they become your beta reader if they want to do that, Because there is nothing more helpful than having another pair of human eyes look at your story before you post something. Because the amount of stress that I have not been under since I started letting someone else read my work before I posted it is unparalleled. I, <laughs> and my beta has given me so many good ideas and we've had so many good just like back and forth conversations about the fandom and the fic in general. So much good stuff comes from having a beta reader. So if you've been on the fence about that and if you've ever been, you know, propositioned basically by someone like saying, hey, if you don't have a beta reader, I'll beta for you. Yes, do it. Let them please. (laughs) It's so helpful, truly.
0: I think it was before the show we were talking about this beta reader. Correct me if I'm remembering this wrong, but did you say that you met this beta reader through this story?
1: Yes. Okay. So their name is Hesitate Disintegrate and they have some fix too on AO3 that you, you guys should check out because they're great. And they commented something on one of my fix where I was basically saying like, Hey, I should respond to that. And so I reached out to them and said like, Hey, if you want to, you know, message me on Tumblr, we can talk about that more in depth. And they did. And we basically struck up a friendship based on that, you know, and of course it started by talking about the fic and fangirling and things like that, but it's developed into a situation where there, I would consider them my friend at this point, you know, and, and it's become this slow, I guess, because I'm a very, like, I'm a control freak person, it's become this slow moment of, like, I just go ahead and, and share the document with them and just, like, let them look at it, and even though I'm, like, ashamed of it deeply, you know, and it, <laughs> it's just been this kind of slow change in me where I'm, like, allowing other people to collaborate with me, uh, which is something I struggle with in real life as well, so.
0: Wait, okay, so was this the first Beta Red project you've ever done? Yes.
1: Yeah, no one else has ever <gasps> oh. looked at any of my stuff. And I want to say that the first beta-read chapter had to have been like 20 chapters in probably, if not more. And even then it was more just like, hey, give me some ideas because I'm lost here. Or like, what do you think about this line? Or what could I change here? And only recently has it been like, like I have a document right now that's basically, it's titled Chapter 40 Shambles. <laughs> and the, uh, <laughs> they have uh, worked with me a lot on that. And that has become That has turned into chapter 41 and now chapter 42 as well where they've just been going through line by line and commenting on things and last night we went off on this like crazy spiral where i basically gave them all the spoilers for the fic (laughs) and apologized the whole time because i was like hey what i'm about to tell you is like not coming up for another 10 chapters and it's really big so just are you sure you want to hear it and of course they're like yes i don't care tell me you know and so bullet pointed out the remainder of the story and man getting their reaction and spitballing different ideas with them and having them say like hey i don't know if that's a good idea maybe you should try this and trusting them enough to to share that that has been just so so incredibly helpful
0: yeah i was going to say that there seems to be a level of deep vulnerability there oh when you let someone in right to your writing process and you let someone into the stuff that you think is just absolute shit and let them see it.
1: (laughs) God, and I, you know, there's been, there's been points now too where I have shared with them scenes that didn't make it into the fic or shared with them scenes that are not like, that they haven't been posted in the story itself yet, and they're so bad because they were written back when I was first writing this story and so there's so many things that have changed up until that point to where like, I I look back and I read those scenes and there's, the the bones of it are still good and I'm still going to use those ideas, but There's so many little nuanced things that are like, this makes no sense now. I apologize deeply that you're having to look at this. Like, I know this is bad. I'm well aware this is stupid, you know, whatever. And of course, half of their job as a beta reader sometimes ends up being like, it's not stupid and you're not stupid. And it's okay that this is not a very good draft because it's your first one, you know? (laughs) So that's incredibly important. I think for especially inexperienced writers to have. Just to know that it's okay to be shit on your first draft is is really important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I love the interactive, collaborative nature of fan fiction for that reason, because, you know, I feel like it's a very interactive experience in so many different ways. Because, you know, I'm interacting with something that you created. You're interacting with me by producing something (laughs) that I'm (laughs) enjoying immensely. You know, you have got your interactions with the commenters and things like that plus beta readers and it's just this like, this huge project being born out of love and there are so many different collaborative elements that go into it. And fan fiction for that reason is just startling to me in its capacity to bring people together who probably never would have met.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. Like, I mean, we live in completely different countries,
0: you know, so this is,
1: this is, I never ever would have met this person if not for this, you know, and there's, there's so many commenters too that have like consistently chapter by chapter commented on my story that like, their usernames are familiar to me now, and I look forward to hearing from them every week. You know, and if I don't hear from
0: them, I'm like, oh, the chapter must have been bad. You know, like, whatever. I know you're like knocking on their door. Are you OK? Yeah, like, Hello? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> what did you think, <laughs> please? I need your feedback. <laughs>
0: uh, I think I probably mentioned this before the uh, before the show today, but, you know, one of the main reasons that I created this podcast in the first place is love of fan fiction. This is like my love letter to fan fiction and fan fiction writers. I love talking about it. I especially like talking towards the very end of the show about why we think fan fiction is worth writing and reading because there's a lot of crazy stereotypes out there from people who don't understand. It gets a bad rap, which I think is so unfair. And I'm hoping to change that, uh, you know, one mind at a time. But I was curious to see what your reaction is to something that got posted in the fanfiction, our Reddit page a couple of weeks ago. There are a lot of folks out there, right? And they post all kinds of things on that feed and it's all fanfiction related. And I copy and pasted it into a doc for you so you could see what it was. But essentially, I'm not gonna read it out or say who this was that posted it, but basically the poster was saying that they felt really bad because they were writing fanfiction versus original fiction. And how they somehow felt like they had to justify writing fan fiction when all of the people in their real life community are telling them, like, that's weird. That's stupid. God,
1: that breaks my heart.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so and you get that sometimes posted into the our fan fiction Reddit page. And I always respond to those because I feel really bad that people feel that way. But that's a legitimate, valid concern
1: yeah, that people have. I've definitely felt that. So I, I know that feeling. <laughs>
0: yeah so i was hoping that we could get your reaction how would you react to that what would you say to that person
1: well first of all like i just said i've i've had those feelings too where i i'm i'm in the middle of writing something and it's you know three o'clock in the morning and i have work tomorrow and i'm like what am i doing like this is not it doesn't matter this is not important you're wasting your time you know you could be doing something constructive with your time But I've gotten really good at ignoring that little voice inside my head because at the end of the day, for me at least, fanfiction is fun. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be validation for you. It's supposed to be cathartic. It's supposed to be something that you enjoy. And there's so many elements that make fanfiction a good outlet for people who like to write because if you convince yourself that the only thing you can ever do is write completely original fiction, you're probably not going to go anywhere with that because there's lots of aspiring authors and very few of them become successful and actually publish anything, you know, and that's like that's harsh to hear and harsh to say, but that's true. And so if you like to write and you enjoy, you know, certain tropes or you enjoy certain fandoms, you enjoy certain characters, that's what fan fiction is for. It's to explore those sorts of things and to give yourself permission to only write five thousand words, or to <laughs> spend much more of your life than you planned writing something that is, you know, two hundred thousand words. And it, I don't know. It, it's it makes me sad that people feel like they have to justify that because people don't justify their other hobbies. Why does it? Why is it different now that you you know are writing something versus just someone who watches the show every week? Why is it somehow more shameful to be so into something that you want to expand it? You know i don't know i don't know how to i don't know how to communicate to people especially younger kids who are interested in this sort of thing that you don't need to be sad about it you don't need to be ashamed by it the fact that you are passionate enough about something to want to write more about it is just amazing do it even if it's bad the first couple of times do it anyway you don't have to justify yourself to anybody
0: i love it thank you thank you because those are my thoughts exactly why do we have to justify art
1: in the first place
0: because that's how i see fan fiction like fan fiction is just art you know yeah why are we justifying that which i understand you know people's reservations and things like that but you know aren't there enough of us now that we can rise up you know uh, like (laughs) and kind of push back against those stereotypes a little bit i
1: get too that people you know kind of view fan fiction as this like somehow there's this stereotype that if you're not talented enough to write a book that means that you're kind of stuck writing fan fiction Because oh well, you can't create your own original characters, or you can't create your own original storyline, or you know, if if you're writing AU, that's usually like, why are you even doing that? Shouldn't you be writing something original anyway? If you're doing that, you know. But there's this there's this element I think of fan fiction, both with reading it and writing it, that you don't have to make your reader care about your character because they already do. (laughs) They already care about the characters in your story. At least going into it, you don't have to convince them that they're worth reading about because they watch the show or you know have read the book, and so they already care about those people. So instead, you get to focus on their story, and you get to focus on you know going into their headspace and you know pulling apart uh, something that's happened in canon, or you get to focus on like this one moment in a story and change it to something that's different and see how the characters would react. And you don't have to if you don't want to do all the work of building up an entire world and building up characters from scratch. And so that I think allows for a lot of creative freedom, because you have more time to get in depth, you know, like, I don't have to convince the readers of MSW to care about Dean or to care about Cass, because they searched up the fic (laughs) with the Dean Cass tag, you know, so like, I don't have to convince them that Dean is a good person. I don't have to convince them that Dean was a good brother. I don't have to convince them that Cass is, at the end of the day, a good character. You know, I still do. I still try. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm afforded a lot more liberties, I think, because you go in with these sort of like assumptions and there's this shorthand within the fandom to where they know what you're talking about. They know what you're about. You don't have to justify yourself. <laughs> and that's really important. That's a great aspect of the fanfiction community.
0: Absolutely. I love that, too, because I was just thinking about that the other day that, man, you know, novelists spend a lot of time convincing their audience that they should care about the character. And I like reading novels, too. I, I read a lot of things, not just fan fiction, but I don't know. I am just astonished by the quality of writing that I find in fan fiction. I don't think mainstream people understand that. I don't think
1: so either. I, I think they, they see it as a like, oh, you know, this is 13 year olds, you know, getting crazy over some cute boy character. And, you know, of course, some of it is, uh, but, and, but that's how everybody starts. And then from there, you get like, just incredibly talented people that spend time producing a story for free for people. Not for a publisher and not to sell for money, but just because they want to. And there's something that's so pure about that,
0: you know? Yes, it's such a pure exchange because you're right. You guys are doing it for free. We get to come on and it doesn't cost us a penny to go onto the site and, you know, get excited about these stories and we're getting something out of it. And it's just this amazing interaction that I'm absolutely in love with. Uh, (laughs) I could spend all day talking about it, quite frankly. (laughs) Uh, Now, last question of the day, who are some other fan fiction writers that you follow?
1: Okay, so I'm mostly these days, uh, I'm reading supernatural fan fiction. So the three that come to mind are probably the big at least two of them. I think if you like fanfics like the one that I'm writing, you've probably already read, but I want to mention them anyway. So Ginger Swag is someone that I I follow and I read pretty much anything they'll post.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love Ginger Swag. I've read lots of her stuff and oh my God. Yeah, she wrote um,
1: Keeping You in Sight, which is just yes, she did. Man, like that that <laughs> fig changed me. Like that that was yes, a foundational she did. moment, you know. It
0: was, yes. Yeah, and it's definitely yes. part of the reason
1: why I even wrote Maybe Sprout Rings to begin with. And so, you know, extremely important. Go read, go read their stuff. Thanks, Tacos, too, has written one that's pretty popular within the fandom called Don't Care Where You've Been. And it's similar themes, and they've done it in a completely different way to me or anyone else that I've seen. And so, if you haven't read Don't Care Where You've Been by Thanks Tacos, do that. Go do that because it's really long and it's really good. <laughs> and uh, it only gets better as the fit goes on. And then, stepping back from fics that are similar to mine as far as like theme goes, one of the first authors that I read when I first got into the supernatural like fan fiction fandom was this uh, person named Northern Sparrow.
0: Oh, I love Northern yeah. Spears. So oh, good, right? Stuff. Like, Duff. Oh my it, God. Yeah. I read a couple from them and just melted.
1: It's amazing. Those fics are so well researched and so well written. The plot is impeccable. There's like plot twists and things that are tied in from the very beginning. And my God, like, I've read fics from that person that I never would have been interested in had they not been the person to post them. Like, There's things in there that I'm just like, well, I don't care about that. Like, That's not really my my trope. But because they post it, I'm just like, I'll give it a chance. And it's always good. It's always good. So they've got a lot of really long, really good fics that you should definitely check out if you're interested in the Supernatural fandom.
0: Excellent. Oh, you brought us three really good ones. (laughs) Thank you for those. So, you know, hopefully the folks out there, if you haven't checked those out, check them out. I will have the links posted in the show notes so you'll be able to go check those out. Casually Neurotic, do you have any last words for us today?
1: Thanks for having me on. Never thought that I would be interesting enough for someone to want to uh, ask me questions on a podcast. But, you know, here we are.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. You have just done us a huge favor today. Coming on, giving us your thoughts. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us today and taking time out to talk to me. Check out her stories on AO3, folks. Give her some love. You can find the Fanfic Maverick on Tumblr at Fanfic Maverick Podcast, on Instagram at FanficMaverick, Maverick, and I can also be reached at FanficMaverick at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling.